let's get into the Bible together, shall we? I'm calling the message today, Reality, Opportunity, Possibility. None of us, none of us expected this. None of us expected where we find ourselves now. No one would have picked or chosen this story. If you said at the beginning of 2020, this is where we'd be, we would not have believed the sequence of events that have very quickly changed our lives and led us to this place. And I've said it before, but when the story that we are in, when the narrative that God seems to be writing in our lives looks very different to the one that we would expect or we would choose for ourselves, we have to take a moment of, no, 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 hang on a minute. I know God is good. I know that he is, is not abandoning me. I know that he is doing something greater and something bigger than what I can see. And sometimes we then have to scratch beneath the surface and find the narrative that he is writing and what he wants to do. And so in this message, I, I'm not necessarily continuing the Joseph story that we've been, uh, we've been in as we've been looking at his life. But I want to return to an episode that we have seen previously in Joseph's life in Genesis chapter 40. So if you have a Bible, do turn there. Um, I'm not actually going to be reading out a passage of scripture and then going through it line by line as we might normally do. Um, but I'll be kind of drawing different things out from Genesis chapter 40. So do turn there if you can. And what we'll see here is how Joseph, when he is plunged into a very different set of circumstances to what he might expect, expects, responds in the time of difficulty and challenge that he's in. And also how we can see, I think, really clearly a message that God wants to be speaking to us as a family as we go through this together. And so you may remember from Genesis chapter 39, um, Joseph, life was looking good. He was in Potiphar's house. He was being promoted. Um, things were going well. And he was probably encouraged and thinking, maybe my life's turned a corner. And then all of a sudden, he gets thrown in prison. Potiphar's wife accuses him, and he ends up in the pit, in the prison, locked up again. And what I want us to look at in Genesis 40 is then how Joseph, in this moment, chooses to respond. And to begin with, I want to look at the reality of his response. So from verse 14 in Genesis chapter 40, it says this. So Joseph, at, at this point, you might remember, he's, um, he's just interpreted the, the dream of a cupbearer who's also in the prison with him. And then he says this to him, verse 14. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. And then this is a bit I want us to hear. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. And what we see here is that Joseph when he is thrown into prison, he engages with the reality of the situation that he finds himself in. We sort of hear it in his voice. He says, but I, I was indeed, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews and I've done nothing that they should put me in the pit. He's saying my circumstances are unfair. I have been unjustly dealt with. 
and I've been wronged. And then even the word that he uses for prison right at the end of verse 15, he calls it, doesn't call it a prison, he calls it a pit. There's real emotion coming out of his voice. It's an evocative word that I, I have been put in this lowest of circumstances. Now what Joseph's saying is, I have found myself in a place that I hate and it hurts. And what we have here in Joseph's life, as we have seen, is that Joseph is a man who is holding on in faith to God's promises. And what we see here is that a faith-filled response to finding ourselves in a season of darkness, in a season of, of confusion, doesn't just mean that we have to ignore the difficulty and the challenge that we're in. I think sometimes as Christians, we can think that to respond faithfully in a, in a situation that's difficult is that we just have to be relentlessly positive about it at all times. We just have to, uh, we're only allowed to just talk about how good God is and we're only allowed to talk about how his promises will endure and that he's going to abundantly bless us. And, and if we are to even talk about even a little bit some of the pain or the difficulty or the challenge that we're feeling in the midst of it, that somehow we're not really being faithful and that really we're just being a little bit negative, just being a bit of a misery guts about our circumstances. And that if Jesus perhaps caught a little bit of wind of, of what, how we were responding, he would be right up there in our face saying, oh, ye of little faith. I, there's a lot of talk at the minute about how this situation that we find ourselves in, in, in the Christian, Christian circles, of how this is an opportunity for mission. And I am all for that. I am, just as Lee was talking about in the worship time, I am, I am two feet in, buy me a ticket, get me on the train. I think there are tremendous opportunities for mission for us in this time. But I think that there's potentially a danger that if we are distracted by all of these opportunities and these things that have come up, actually what won't happen is that we won't properly engage with and process some of the very real pain that we are feeling and that is going on in our hearts. And I think here in the Joseph narrative, we see not only is that okay, but that is something that God would want us to be engaging with. I'm so encouraged by Jesus's own prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was at his darkest moments. This is what he said. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And then he says this, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That Jesus himself, the very model of what perfect faith looks like, he engaged with and was acknowledged and was honest about the reality of the emotion that he was feeling. My soul is very sorrowful. And then he takes it to his father in prayer. I think at this time, we must be a people who do the same. We must engage with and acknowledge the, the very real pain that many of us are feeling for many different reasons and bring it to God. And say to him, God, I, I'm angry. I'm frustrated that I'm in isolation. This is not how I expected 2020 would go. This is not how I thought the first year of university would go for me. And say to him, God, I... I, I'm so uncertain about so many things. I don't know how my gran is going to be. 
and what this means for her. I don't know if I'm going to have enough nappies to put on the kids. And I'm kind of scared of that. And I'm kind of fearful about what this might all mean for me. And even saying to him, God, I wasn't necessarily expecting this, but I feel so alone. I feel so desperate. That at this time, if the reality of how we're feeling inside, if that is all that our prayer life looks like and all that we're bringing to God, I think that is a brilliant place to start. That we must engage with the reality before we move on to being caught up in the opportunity. So that's the reality. But at the same time, there is great opportunity. You might remember when we looked at this this verse previously, there is a, a kind of a parallel in Psalm 105, a bit of commentary on this, this chapter. And what we see in, in, in Psalm 105 is it's talking about Jesus, uh, Joseph's time in prison. And it says this, that while he was in prison, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. And as I was considering this afresh this week, what stood out to me was that this was Joseph's lowest moment. This was the time where he felt most isolated, most alone. And where do we find God? He is right there with him, right there with Joseph at this time where, where Joseph has been cut off from the people of God. I don't know if you can relate to that. He's isolated, he's alone. And what's God doing? God is drawing right alongside him, coming to him saying, I'm attentive, I want to meet with you, I want to be with you. And I think there is a, a tremendous opportunity in front of us all in this time that where we can't be together on a Sunday and on home groups where we, in a way that we would like to, and we can't rely on other people to be bringing Jesus and, and his things to life in quite the same way for us. There is such an opportunity for each of us to get hold of God for ourselves, to learn to feed ourselves on the things of Jesus. Maybe you've been intending to do some of these things for yourself, for some time. Maybe you've been thinking, I, I really do want to get into my Bible for myself. I really do want to, to learn what it is to pray uh, and to have a relationship with him on my own, but I've just never quite got around to it. Well, I think this is his opportunity for you. This is his invitation. This is his gift to you. Is here is lots of time where if you are going to be built up and strengthened in him, a lot of it comes down to yourself. For me personally, and my conviction is that this is the most important thing that we can really learn how to do and get hold of in our discipleship journey of following Jesus. That we learn to come to the bread of life himself and to, to feast on him for, in our own way. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, David, who then goes on to be king of Israel, there's a moment for him where he is at his darkest. He's in a war, he's about to lose, his two wives have been taken away from him. I can only imagine what it's like to lose one. He loses both. And this is his darkest moment. And what does it say David did? David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Let me ask you, do you know what it is like to strengthen yourself in the Lord your God? 
this is an opportunity, I think, for all of us to learn what it is to be a strengthened people in our own time, in our own space, self-motivated, self-initiated time and strengthening in God. My prayer for us is that we would emerge out of this time as a people that know, I know how to have a relationship with him. I know how to devote my time to him. I know how to hear from him. I know how to, to read my Bible. And so my intention over the next few weeks is to be helping us and resourcing us, me and others from the church, with ways in which we can do this and cultivate this in our life. As I say, I think it's one of the most important things we can do. And we looked at last time how this word in Psalm 105 that says Joseph was tested by God is a word that kind of means refined. It's, it's a, a, a word that is talking about how God's intention was to change and transform Joseph through this time. And I think we, would, we should have our eyes open to the fact that this is what God wants to do with us. He wants to change us. He wants to transform us. And what I've been observing in my own self recently is that there are things about faith, there are things about what it really means to trust in God that we can only truly get hold of in a real way when we face times like this, where other things just start to fall away and crumble. Hannah and I were due to have a, um, an online delivery come on Friday and there were some complications with it and it looked like we were going to end up with some things that we, we thought we'd need. We, we're going to end up without them. And for the first time in my life, I had to actually engage with the idea that I might not be able to put food on the table for my family. I might not have all of the supplies that we need. Before, it had never even entered into my mind. And I came up here into our top room in our house, and I found myself praying to God in a way I never have, just saying, Father, I know that you are my provider. I know you've got everything. And, but I need to believe it. I need to really get hold of it in my heart. Please, would you help me? And I found myself praying some of the, the Matthew chapter six stuff that Jesus talks about, where he talk, says, don't be anxious about food. Don't be anxious about, about clothing. Your good father knows all of your needs before you know them. And all you have to do is come to him in faith. And as you do, everything else you need will be added to you. And as I fought through the fear in my prayers, I found myself starting to get just little shoots of faith and little shoots of understanding of this whole other aspect of God's character that I never really had to lean on in the same way and found that, yeah, he really is my provider in a way that I've never seen before. And I think that there is many other ways that we can see and get God that we haven't been able to do before all of this happened. So that's reality, that's opportunity, and finally, possibility. There is an interesting contrast in Genesis chapter 40 that I want to draw our attention to, which I hope as we see it, will be something that we can kind of fix our eyes on and will be a, a prophetic message from God of just what he's doing in this time and what we can expect as and when we come out of it. It will give us vision and faith and hope to be able to endure some of these very, very challenging times as a family together. As I mentioned before, there's a cupbearer in this passage, and Joseph in interprets his dream. And this cupbearer had worked for Pharaoh before. And what it says in verse 13, let me read it to you. 
when Joseph interprets his dream, he says, in three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. That is very clear and very plain in this text what the cupbearer could expect after his time in prison, his time of being in isolation and, and taken down. He could expect to be restored to his previous position. But with Joseph, what we now know of his narrative is that when he found himself in a time of darkness, when he found himself isolated, when he found himself cut off, just like the cupbearer, God's intention for Joseph was not a restore. God's intention for Joseph was not, I'm going to take you back to where you previously are and you'll sort of learn a few things, but you're going to go back. God didn't take Joseph back to Potiphar's house. Now, Potiphar's house was a good place. It was a place of blessing. It was good for Joseph. But God's intention for Joseph in this time of darkness, in this time of isolation, was that he was transforming him. He was refining him. He was changing him to move him on to the next chapter in the story that he had for him. When Joseph emerged from the prison, he came out and he had a new position. He had a new seat. He ended up working at the right hand of Pharaoh, the second most important person and powerful person in the whole world at that time. And from that position, he was able to be more fruitful for God's purposes and his kingdom. He was able to be more effective and he knew greater blessing and greater favor from God in his life. This is how God works with his people. But the cupbearer didn't know this because he was not one of God's, but Joseph knew it because he was. That with, in God's economy, when he takes his people into a time of isolation, he takes his people into a time of being cut back, it's because he wants to move them on and move us on to the next chapter in our story. He wants to move us on to the next thing that he has for us. He wants to move us into a place where we as a family, as Revelation Church, will be even more fruitful than we were before, even more effective, even more uh, acknowledging and knowing the blessing and the favour that he has for us. Jesus talks like this in John chapter 15. He says this, Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, talking of his father, that it may bear more fruit. Now, this is really interesting because what Jesus is saying is that if there is a branch that appears to be fruitful and effective for God's purposes and his kingdom, which I think as Revelation Church, that would describe us well, Sometimes there will come a time where God will cut that back and prune it and take it into a season of confusion and question and, and maybe even fear. Why would he do that? Well, it comes at the end of that verse I just read out. Every branch that he do does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He does it so that in his way, more fruit can come as a result of it. 
more fruit can can come forth from the ministry of revelation church from us as a family that he is preparing us and bringing us into this time so that when he brings us out and when we emerge we will be more fruitful than ever and you might think well what on earth is this going to look like what will this new chapter look like what will this new season look like i have absolutely no idea and neither did joseph when he was in the prison he had no idea what this place of blessing and what the, the goodness that God was going to bring us into and the fruitfulness that he was going to take him into. And what he had to do in his prison was he had to hold on by faith, knowing I believe God is going to take me into this. I'm going to trust in his word. I'm going to hang on. And I think that's exactly what he would say to us. Keep the faith. Hang on, because I will bring you out of this. And in it, you will sit in a new seat, a new position and you will be more fruitful than ever. And the reason that I am so convicted of this and so sure of it is because it's not just some observations from Genesis chapter 40 that I'm drawing out to you here. Actually, I think as we go through the rest of the Joseph narrative, we will see that this is a theme that keeps coming back, that this is essentially the story for the rest of our time in this series. I think this is God's message to us. He has been so kind to us in bringing this narrative to life now so that as we go into the season, we will be almost parallel along the narrative of what happens in Joseph's story. Because they are about to hit a famine, a time of global emergency and global crisis that completely changes the fabric of how they live and how they exist. And what we will see through it is that God doesn't just use this time to protect his people, to hunker down and look after them and keep them shielded. But God uses this global crisis and global emergency to advance and move on his people into all that he has for them. And so at this time, God would have us engage with the reality of what we're facing, to be real with ourselves about how we feel and taking that to God, being real with him, he can handle it. And at the same time, aware of the opportunities that this creates for us. That there is a relationship with God that we can access wherever we are and that will be the, the way in which we truly grow and move forward as disciples. And he would want to open our eyes and lift our heads to the possibilities that he has ahead for us. How he is using this time, not just to teach us a few things, but to move us on into the next phase and the next season for us as a family.